0: Welcome into the Waiver Fire podcast. Nick and JP are tuning in towards the end of July. The days tick ever closer to actual fantasy football, but we got some fun stuff to talk about tonight. And it's been a fun week in sports, man. How you been, JP?
1: I've been pretty good. Just chilling. I've been traveling to and from Birmingham on the weekends.
0: Oh, just to hang out with friends, or was there a specific event?
1: Um, I've been seeing somebody who, who lives in Birmingham. I gotcha.
0: That's charming. Birmingham is a fantastic. I I miss it down there. Both of my siblings live there and are constantly making me jealous with all the goodies they're getting into. But we do get to all bond over sports, man. This you know, off-season doing the, the once-a-week pod, it's been enough for a while, and then I feel like this past week, there have been a lot of things to talk about, man. We will absolutely get to the NFL, but doesn't it feel like, for me at least, it feels like forever since the Bucs won the NBA Finals, man. It just happened like, Last Thursday.
1: Yeah, it really feels like a long time ago. That was a great game. I it was the only game
0: actually of the series that I tuned into. I feel bad saying that, but I had to tune in with the chance that Bucks at home could close it out, and that game did not disappoint. Giannis just oh, just went superhero in game six. Man, fifty points. 17 of 19 from the free throw line, which was what he had been mocked at relentlessly blocks left and right. I mean, I don't know if you could have written it up any better than him, um, you know, accomplishing all of the hype in his dreams to win with the bucks, man.
1: Yeah. But you know that it's not over yet. I mean, this guy is ready to win some more championships. He is a monster. I, like, I
0: really hope so. I, he's, obviously, he's a monster, but does he, for as great as he's been to the Bucks, is it inevitable that he pulls a Shack and leaves the Orlando Magic? Oh, yeah. Lakers
1: yeah, home? he's. I think he's going to eventually leave there, but right. that's just that's just what happens when you're that big.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but does. Does the fandom turn on him, you know, when he, when he eventually makes that?
1: No, no way. He's just, he's just, uh, he, he's so his foreignness is so charming.
0: It is. And at least he, he did win at least one shit for them. Like I'm pretty sure Shaq never won anything for the magic. So the chick play
1: thing is ridiculous. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was hilarious, man. He's, he's so down to earth, man. It's so, it's so incredible. I'm so happy for that team. It does. It does really suck for, um, Chris Paul and the Suns. You know, we, we, were saying at the whole finals, like we really don't want one of these teams to lose, um, feel really bad for Chris for sure. But, uh, it was a great finals, a great game six, definitely one for the history books. And then honestly, I feel like it's ta- it. It feels like it's been a while because this weekend, the Olympics for me have just been so exhilarating. I was not able to actually catch the opening ceremony, but I have been able to watch a lot of, particularly the highlights on YouTube. Um, NBC Sports has really been posting some high quality highlights that are all in the five to six minute range of, you know, gold medal matches and my personal, I love all the sports that are just so weird. That like Americans were so caught up in the NFL, NBA, you know, of course MLB, sometimes the NHL, but all of the weird shit that happens in the Olympics, man. You got like rifle shooting, you know, ping pong, fencing, all of those weird ones. I am an absolute sucker for those. Have you been able to, to tune in? I guess I guess you had a weekend in Birmingham, so maybe you weren't watching the Olympics too much.
1: So yeah we we have this peacock oh uh, right account and they're supposed to have a lot of olympic stuff but it's really lacking oh. peacock it's not very good and uh what happened is about all we got to watch so far because every video and every broadcast has like a date that it's going to appear on wow it's like and it's, like, a date that's, like, so far away. Wow. Like, so far away that there's no way to not have a spoiler about it or something. Right, right. And it's, like, really the worst ever NBC. Wow, and NBC, yeah. So uh, I was able to watch the opening ceremony. That's though, cool. And it looks like there's a... a they have a show on NBC where Snoop Dogg reacts to everything. I heard about that too. I have not tuned into
0: that. Um, I did hear about that. Yeah, NBC has taken a lot of flack for their coverage so far. That's such a bummer to hear about Peacock. Um, I do recommend the YouTube videos. If I will say that almost every title of the YouTube videos does spoil the ending. So if that... If that kills it for you, I completely understand. But um, totally, but they are fantastic.
1: It, it absolutely kills it for me.
0: Oh, I get it. it. It'll say things like, you know, Japan wins gold at blank. And it's so, you know, going into the video, which does suck. But, uh, but they are great right. sports. I've really enjoyed it. Like water polo has been exciting. USA, China, and Japan are all kind of neck and neck in medals. Uh, it's been really exciting. I think the best one, it, even if you, well... Can I spoil, I guess, I guess you see these notes in the document. Can I spoil one of the, the videos that I still think you should go watch?
1: Yeah. I mean, some of these seem like I don't care about them. Yeah, I, I totally get it. But,
0: you know, of course, one of the biggest events of the Summer Olympics is the swimming because there's just so many of those events.
1: Okay. And because,
0: yeah. um, you know, Phelps made it so historical in 2008. But there's one particular race, which is the 100 meter freestyle which is, you know, the biggest of the men swimmers doing an all-out sprint. It's the shortest freestyle. And there was a young Tunisian guy, 18 years old, barely makes it into the final swim. You know, there's all these qualifying swims. Squeaks in as the eighth spot out of eight uh, racers, swimmers, and and takes it down, takes the gold medal with a fraction of a second. And Tunisia. Yeah. I mean, for such a small uh, country in Africa, that's been, you know, kind of decimated by their dictatorship there. There's so much political garbage there that's happening. And for this young kid to go to the world stage and compete against, you know, the historic teams of U.S., Australia. It's just it's amazing. And he, you know, sometimes you'll see these videos and somebody will win a gold medal and they'll just do like a little fist pump, you know, and be like. Nice. This kid absolutely embraces the moment and lets out one of the best like victory roars that you'll see in a while. So highly recommend, even though, you know, the final to check that video out, it, it definitely gets your heart thumping. And uh, I was very excited. You know, Tunisia is the only African country that I've actually been to. So I have a little bit of connection there. So I was, I was vibing with this kid. All right. That is enough. Other
1: I would love to see ping ping pong. Ping pong's that, dope
0: and they actually have that, a lot of different events like they have mixed events, doubles and stuff. Definitely recommend.
1: Yeah, that seems like one of the one of the good ones. It's a very high flying affair. It's it's
0: one of the faster, you know, most skill it it looks it's very aesthetically skill intense. I have to say, if you don't care about fencing, fencing is one of the coolest uh, sports to watch, man. I am just sucked into watching the fencing highlights videos for some reason. It's awesome. All right, let's get into some football, man. Cause we do have quite a bit to talk about, uh, today we will be going through and talking about more of our round by round favorites, maybe some players that we haven't given enough hype to or players that in the last couple weeks have shifted dramatically in ADP where they're, um, more uh, palatable for us. And we're, we're diving in now, but we've got to get some news out of the way, man. Again, this week feels like it's been forever. And if there's one thing that feels like it's been forever since it's the Cam makers news, man, torn Achilles in the off season. I don't e- I don't think training camp had even started yet. It was just in his own personal workouts, Cam makers running back of the Rams terraces Achilles easily out for the season. If not for his career, This is one of the most detrimental injuries to a running back. Um, Marlon Mack kind of historically suffered it in the, I think it was week one of last year. So he will be kind of the candidate uh, Marlon Mack will this year to see if a player can bounce back historically, like no running back has ever bounced back and been successful in the NFL after it, which is just, it's just horrible, man. So much hype going into this year. Um, It's pretty devastating.
1: Yeah, that's it's. I, it's it's really bad for him, like bad feelings. But it's also bad feelings for anybody who was hoping to get. I don't know any value out of the the first three rounds, or or, or maybe end up holding the bag at the end of round three because of something is, like that. It
0: is harsh to, um, you know. This is a human being we're talking about, but to us, he is a fantasy asset. So we have to talk the fantasy value. And if you've done any best ball already and picked him, which thankfully I did, I was not, I was not shying away from cam acres, but I guess he was just going at a point, which was man in best ball. He was going at the back end of the first round. And, and I was just, I just happened to be taking players like Eckler and Chubb over him. So I don't actually have a lot of pieces of him kind of thankfully, But, um, yeah, it does hurt. And particularly, you know, the L.A. Rams, like we talked about in a previous episode, they're the third highest, or they were, the third highest projected to to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, So they were all in. I mean, they traded two first-rounders and a third round for Stafford and Jared Goff. Like, they gave up so much to go all in this year because they knew they had an exceptional defense, they have plenty of talent at the wide receiver core. They thought they had Cam Akers. I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about. It's it's certainly not as devastating as if Matthew Stafford had gone down, which he very well might with his back injury. But still, it's just brutal for a team to have gone all in and then you don't even get to taste it on the field. But um but yeah, we're definitely going to lose some value with Cam Akers even if he was a he was at most a second round pick, um, so that's taken out of the equation. And as you and I were talking off pod, this it kind of surprisingly dries up that running back market in the in the second round.
1: Yeah, it really kind of sucks, and I'm seeing, I'm I'm seeing some awful, um, third and fourth round picks. Um in mocks. I'm seeing a lot of savvy drafters come in, a lot of zero RB guys and stuff like that. Interesting. And it's getting to the point where, you know, Julio's never around. CD's never around. Uh your best your best fourth rounder is like I don't know. Kenny G. I would lock it. Kenny, yeah, Kenny Galli, who was yeah. a
0: who was a star in the fifth, is now. You're right. It's it's crazy how one player. I, I've never really, I guess, felt the effects like this before. But I guess because I've been so tuned into drafts already, like typically I would just start drafting, you know, a couple of weeks before the the actual season. Now, having drafted kind of through the off season, it feels so much weaker. Just one player. Um, pushes things forward, and and you're right. People are becoming more savvy. Um, that fourth round feels real ugly, especially with running backs. I mean, in the in the second round, you're now looking at Najee Harris, Clyde um, Eckler. If you get really lucky, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon. But it still feels it still feels thin and, and harsh to lose him. But um, Daryl Henderson is the next man up in L.A. Um, We've had about a week to process this news. Where have you landed on Daryl Henderson for either best ball or season long? Assuming, so we'll, you know, there's always the potential that they add somebody to that class, but let's say that it stays where it is now. Where are you feeling with him in in drafting him?
1: Um, I'm too scared of it.
0: Even if nobody else is added. Just from his like talent uh, standpoint? Or is the fear more that there will be somebody added?
1: Yeah. There's a lot of different fears <laughs> that they will be added, that he's not good enough. I just... Yeah. I just don't understand how if anyone is like a betting man, they're going to go think about Daryl Henderson and the in the fourth or, or whatever, wherever he's going. Like that's, that's too rich for my money. Like I, I, I can't do it. I've seen,
0: I've seen him up into the fourth in some best balls. He usually settles more into the sixth Um, in that Mike Davis. Oh, I haven't
1: seen that. I, I haven't seen that in the sixth. No, not on ESPN. Huh? Okay, maybe well, maybe it, have, maybe they'll say that it's ADP or something, but I'm like, people are pulling I'm the trigger. Like, I'm drafting like like a madman, and I'm seeing Mike Davis in the six, and that's a right. really good one. Yeah, but no, people people are people are a little trigger happy on. Henderson. Let me.
0: Let me throw some names out there for you. Just, I understand that he might not, he, he likely won't be there for you, but just to get your gauge on him. Um, Daryl Henderson or Damian Harris? Mm,
1: Daryl Henderson.
0: Daryl Henderson or Javante Williams of the Denver Broncos?
1: Daryl Henderson.
0: Henderson or. The previously mentioned Mike Davis, if they're at the same pick,
1: that's tough, man. I feel like that's, that's a tough coin one, coin right? Yeah, that's
0: yeah. that's about the coin flip. They both are in pretty potent offenses. They're both basically the clear one and should get some pretty good um, pass catching work. Man, yeah, but like
1: is, you said, Rams are going for the for like the Super Bowl push. That's so. true. I don't know, I guess boost for him for that.
0: Yeah, I I think I put him right after Mike Davis, which would be that could very well be incorrect. I think Daryl Henderson has the higher upside, but I'm gonna go with Mike Davis. I think he's right there in between Mike Davis and Miles um, Gaskin for me. that's that's kind of where I've ended up slotting him and I likely won't get him there. Um, there are candidates to, I mean, the the Rams have to at least probably add a depth piece. I mean, all of the guys behind him on the depth are literally like, you know, practice squad guys. So they, they likely will add some depth, whether it's picking up the old busted free agents like Todd Gurley, although that probably won't happen. Adrian Peterson or Le'Veon Bell. I don't see uh, any of those guys pushing uh, Henderson for any any value, so those would not scare me off of drafting him. And on top of that, um, Sean McVay has come out and said that Daryl Henderson will not be playing in the preseason. AKA, we're going to rely on this guy. He is he is what we have, and I'm not going to risk him for any little warmups. Um, he he's going to be our guy. So that is a confidence boost but there's plenty of time for them to, to trade. And again, the Rams have gone all in. I mean, they want to win the Super Bowl. And can Daryl Henderson Jr. really do that? I'm, and we, we talk about the Rams as if they've traded all their picks away. They've definitely traded their first, but, you know, a running back typically does not fetch a first um, in this league in these days. So they have all of their, you know, second, third, fourths. They have every other pick in next year's draft. Do they go out and, you know, the biggest splurge on the market for a backup would be Kareem Hunt from the Cleveland Browns, which with the Cleveland Browns, you know, take a, a next year's second for Kareem Hunt. Mm, I don't know. That'd be a, I mean, a second is a big pick in a draft, so that'd be kind of wild. But Kareem Hunt would be an absolute slam home run, of course, and, and make them right back into the contention race. I think a very realistic possibility is that they go down to Miami and ask for Malcolm Brown back. Malcolm Brown uh, left just this off season. Um, He knows that offense very well. He would not, I don't think take much much to recruit back. Miami would still have Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. I think it makes a lot of sense to go get Malcolm Brown. And if they did that, I would be very concerned for Daryl Henderson jr. I think that uh, Malcolm Brown could contest for that, that one, a, Uh, Part of that um, role, but until that happens, um, yeah, I'm basically not touching him in best ball just because the value doesn't get there for me. But if we get to, you know, drafting right before the season starts and he is the front runner of that backfield, he's going to be around a a late, I would say mid to late round five value. If he ends up there, if he's fourth, it's still going to be too steep. I agree with you. All right. That's enough on the cam makers news. It's brutal, more brutal news. Michael Thomas, news has come out that he had surgery in June. Don't know why the news is breaking one month late, but it is. That's ankle surgery is going to push him out of the season until week eight is what projections are. Um, And that's just to even come back, let alone come back at full speed. So, man, another brutal injury if you had been targeting him at, at all in best ball so far. I haven't. Okay, that's. I think we had we had gone into the off or yeah, probably May or so. We were talking about Michael Thomas as we were hands off. I guess in the last couple of weeks or so, I had snagged him in a little bit. But I have to say, man, by by hooker by crook and total absolute luck. You know, one of my most drafted players is Traquan Smith, which is which was, of course, not with any Michael Thomas injury history at all. It was really just, I thought Jameis was going to be the starter. That looks actually even in more question, a lot of Taysom Hill news coming out, but I was projecting Traquan Smith as the deep ball threat for Jameis. And now I kind of luckily end up with him in so many drafts as technically the New Orleans wide receiver one. Um, I don't know if that really is going to equate to a, a very good fantasy year, but. But talk me through. Does this does this change anything for you about Camara, or Traquan Smith, or Adam Troutman, or Jameis, or anybody of that offense? Does it change your feelings at all?
1: Um. No, except for Traquan, I might like him more now. But um, Troutman, he still was like a guy that I would take towards the end. And I still would do that.
0: Where are you now with Camara um, versus Derrick Henry? Are you still fully on Derrick Henry's side? Yeah. And does does Camara slot in directly after that? Or do you have yeah. Zeke yeah. or he's number four for you? Yeah. So, I mean, this this news hurts in the sense that Offense is probably going to be a lot worse. It helps in the sense that probably even more targets should go his way. Um, But I I ultimately agree with you that I had been kind of picking him over Derrick Henry, especially in half point or full PPR. But, oh, it's it's really tight now because I think it hurts him just a little bit. I think it lowers his touchdown opportunity a little more. Um, That team is going to be a little rough. All right. Um, and then the final news that we have to get to is that sources are saying close sources of Aaron Rodgers are telling the league, telling um, the press that he expects to play for Green Bay in 2021 and then to to bounce out. So that is that is huge news. If true, um, training camp is just around the corner. So we'll see if he ends up showing up. But we had been kind of playing best ball and mocking as if Aaron Rodgers was going to stay and play, and man, it will be absolutely huge if he does. Um, Devonte yeah, Adams.
1: Yeah, I was. I was getting like Devonte and Tyreek on a on a best ball draft.
0: In best ball, he was. I mean, at his worst, he was going late second round, and I didn't get a, a ton of shares. Probably about. I think I was looking, I have about 15% exposure to Devontae. So not, not fantastic, but I have a lot of MVS So as just a late-round flyer. So similarly with Traquan Smith, it's not like I expect huge things, but MVS with Aaron Rodgers should be pretty good. So I, I'm excited for him in best ball. But Devontae Adams, I mean, oh, man. So he he is flirting in the first round with players like Nick Chubb, and Eckler, where are you? at on that. Are you are you taking Devonte Adams, or has the running back core just been too important? And you're going to grab one of those second or third tier running backs like Chubb and Eckler?
1: I'm going Adams. And by by the okay. way, did you see that um, one of the conditional things for Aaron staying for the year is I did that they not. have to. Br- they've got to bring Randall Cobb back for a year. Oh my God. I had not heard that. That is absolutely
0: hilarious. (laughs) Well, if any team is clinging on to old and busted, it's the Houston Texans, man. So they, they might not want to see him go, you know, he's, he's their number two there in Houston. So. Oh, wow. That is, that is hilarious. And if that's actually, if he actually comes back, I would, kind of be devastated for MVS because you know that Aaron Rodgers is gonna trust Randall Cobb to be the number two. So wow. Would that be absolutely hilarious if Randall Cobb actually made a fantasy rebirth, man? Whew. All right. Well we will <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Crazy. That'd be hilarious. Let's uh let's all hope that Aaron Rodgers comes back. Although honestly, as a fan, you know, of course I'm a Vikings fan, so I hate him anyways, but Dude, what a prima donna, in my opinion, like this guy is so damn whiny and just a total baby. But that's okay. That is that is for a different, uh, different time. Let's get into our segment, man. Let's talk about players from each round, particularly, you know, first 10 rounds or so. the, The late flyers or whatever you can you can have a great feeling about them, but they're unlikely to pay out. Let's just go round by round and kind of talk about our strategy, who we're slamming, and and how that shapes our draft moving forward. So in the first round, what, like you said, Devontae Adams, you're taking above those back-end running backs. So do you have a particular strategy? Like, do you want to escape with a certain player? Or wh- where are you leaning round one?
1: Well, I, I try to look and see if, like, my top five or six running backs are on the board. Um. I, I mean, it's 100% that I'm going with my top four. I've seen Kamara fall a pretty good bit, getting him at pick six, seven, eight. Um. And I'm slamming those four guys. But after that, I'm starting to think about just whatever I'm feeling, really. Because as as much as I really do like um, Zeke and Jonathan Taylor, um, I love uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. And those are other guys that I'm thinking about right then. Because... And like I said, I, I'm 100% always going with those top four. They're, they're yeah. absolute slams.
0: I'm putting Zeke there as a five, as a as a windmill slam, but the 106 gets super dicey, um, you know, before the Saquon news of him almost not even being ready for camp. Um, and hey, actually a general side, I forgot to mention. Um, so all these players right now before training camp are being put on the quote um off-season pup so Amari Cooper um Saquon they're technically on the pup right now but those are all just precautions it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to miss any time but one player who surprisingly didn't even get put on that pup is um Cincinnati QB Joe Burrow which you know a month or so ago we were thinking he might not even play week one so he actually looks like he might be just totally ready to go which would somewhat change my opinion of Jamar Chase and T Higgins and company um I they're still being drafted super high so I probably won't end up at anything but that was just a general aside that I forgot to mention um I do agree with you though so I again I put Zeke as a five slam but that 106 is brutal dude is, is it Kelsey is it Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor? Is technically there in my ranks, but it feels like a reach. Like it feels like I should try to get a like I, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is a difference maker at the position. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I, I think he's a running back one, but I don't think he's a league winner. Like I think Travis Kelsey can be, and like Devontae Adams can be. Tyreek is probably in that uh potential. Honestly, I, I want to say that somebody like Austin Eckler is almost more of a candidate because of his pass catching work. Um, it's really, really hard. I almost kind of prefer to fall to the back of the first so that I'm not, you know, so so I'm sitting there with a bit uglier picks and I can f- be, feel more comfortable slamming somebody like Austin Eckler. Back, because, of,
1: back of the first is is where it's at this year. I,
0: I like the top five personally. I want, I want one of those windmill slams. But if I'm not there, then I'm, I'm good with the back. But um, the only reason, and the reason I say that first off, because those top five are difference makers in my opinion, but I don't mind the back of the second either, which we'll get to in just a second. But, but I don't mind that turn very much. I don't think you're missing out on too much there. Um, but I, ultimately, I'm with you that I don't mind leaving the, dra- leaving the first round with a Kelsey or an Adams or a Tyreek, I think it's—I do think it's a little bit hard to make up in running back depth, but but you have a, a championship uh, upside for sure. So ultimately, I agree with you there. Um, moving into the second round, so you said you know that you don't mind starting off as a bit of a mild um, zero RB strategy. So is the second round presenting players that kind of scream value to you? Or is it similar to the first that everybody's so good that you really don't mind what comes to
1: you? Yeah. um, So here's my thing. I don't, I just, I can really not imagine myself going running back, running back this year. Wow. Um, Maybe if I saw Chubb in the second round, I would do it because I've seen that before. Um, Maybe taking a flyer on uh, uh, Gibson or Mixon or Eckler in the second round. But really what I'm doing is like Calvin Ridley or Stefan Diggs, if I can get one of those
0: guys. Uh, so Naji, Naji, and Clyde aren't there for you. Like you're going to be snagging a, a wide receiver one over those two guys. Yeah, I am. I I'm struggling because I guess just I have so much historical baggage that is pleading me to go running back. And I even look ahead, you know, into the later rounds. We've already talked about Daryl Henderson, Mike Davis, Gaskin, Damian Harris. Like there's there are enough of those players trickled into the later rounds that you can end up with five running backs um, that you're okay with their volume, but, Oh, it's hard. And then I just think wide receiver, it's, it's very challenging to make up that elite top end talent, but it's pretty damn easy to find a wide receiver two slash three, you know, like Antonio Brown's of the ninth, 10th round, even players like Russell gauge I'm fine with in like the 12th round. It's just a lot easier to make up that it's not again not easy to make up the wide receiver one but the wide receiver two and three compared to running backs so maybe i'm making a mistake but i'm i'm preferring to leave with two running backs the third round it offer there's a step down for short sure and wide receivers but i'm i'm trying to make up my wide receivers in the third and fourth but um I could, be, I could be paying heavy dividends missing out on, on those digs and Calvin release for sure. So interesting that we were – go ahead.
1: One of my favorite things about having a lot of pass catchers in the first four rounds is that it kind of frees me up to, to be able to use those other bench spots as, as things that I'm picking up on the waiver wire, as things that I'm getting these later rounds and stuff like that when you have these wide receivers that you can't even think twice about starting, you know, like they're absolutely in your lineup each week. And if you can get like value up until the fourth round where you actually are getting Julio in the fourth, which is a dream right now because it's honestly not happening for me. Right. Anymore. It it was at first, but Anyway, if you did have that kind of wide receiver death, I mean, you can really attack the running back's like position in the later rounds, and you can do it hard, especially if you tie up your quarterback at, like, round five or six because, I mean, if you're not streaming quarterbacks, if you're not thinking about your wide receivers, if you've got, like, a tight end in in round three, I mean – You're golden. You're just throwing in a bunch of running backs that you think might have good weeks. And that's like your entire bench. I don't mind that
0: strategy, particularly in a longer season where we're adding a game. We're expecting plenty of injuries to the running back core and hopefully much less so um, at the wide receiver core. So you are likely getting more season long value going there. It's just whether you, first off, like you said, if you can load up your bench with enough flyers and I guess somewhat handcuffs like A.J. Dillon and, and those lottery tickets that you hope to pop or you think that you're going to be able to outfab your league or happen upon getting the nice waiver priority, but more the fab uh, route, if you think that you're able to to pounce quicker on that running back that goes down, then you can certainly make that up. Um again, just two, two different strategies. That I think we, we play and, uh, excited to see how that turns out this year for sure. It's going to be a different year. So you're, you're more leaning on at least a wide receiver. How does that? So you're kind of feeling balanced, potentially heading into the third round. Where here do you see the value, um, slam picks, et cetera.
1: And I also want to say that, uh, if you're in the late, if you're d- drafting late, like, uh, 10 11 12 or something like that mm-hmm. you might be able to get ridley or Diggs, but if you're drafting like first like if you've got McCaffrey or something like that right and you're coming back around in the second round you're you're gonna have like maybe jefferson yep um jefferson Hopkins. will be there you so, might
0: have to reach for like a keenan allen which feels kind of ugly in the back end of the second
1: um no i I don't know. I haven't seen that happen. I, I, hopefully you don't have to do that. DK
0: Metcalf is there, but I think you're, you've been fading him in the, in the second
1: and hands off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jefferson. Anyway. I, I I'm like free. Jefferson, but you know, what kind of stinks is that, like you said, it, it, Jefferson is right there when you're at the, you know, first three picks or whatever, which of course, number two is Dalvin cook. Um, if you pick Dalvin Cook, does that kind of tie you off of Justin Jefferson? Like, or or do you feel okay with both of those players?
1: I'm fine with it.
0: I'm pretty good too. I mean, if it was, so I guess is is Hopkins Hopkins is sometimes there. AJ Brown is sometimes there. Um,
1: yeah. So like, maybe you have would to you, take them. You might have to.
0: Yeah. I think I would lean away from like, I have Jefferson in my ranks ahead of, I guess scary Terry is kind of firmly in the third. So. um, Okay. All right. I, I, I've been having that situation a lot with Zeke and Amari Cooper, because I'm a little bit higher than consensus on both those players. So I get a little nervous, double dipping on, I know there are two different aspects of the offense, but, I think it still caps your upside and and really slams you on bye weeks and et cetera. So I use it as a bit of a tiebreaker, but it does make me nervous. All right. That was just a general aside. So let's get back to round three where you're feeling a little balanced. Who who are the players that really call out in the third round for you?
1: So I think most of the time I'm taking Waller here if he's available. Um after that, I'm looking to see if Allen Robinson or George Kittle is available. And it's kind of a coin flip between the two of them because as much as I like to tie up the, the tight end position, I'm worried about how much they run in San Francisco. And Allen Robinson is just such a, a rock. Like you know that you can count on him. Aaron um,
0: Robinson is very steady. I, I don't mind the the tight end approach because Waller and Kittle are very clearly a tear break from Mark Andrew and TJ Hawkinson. Like it's, it's almost not even close. So I get the value there, but let me throw out a couple names just to test you. Um, so are you going Darren Waller or are you going Keenan Allen?
1: think, I think a lot of times I'm probably going Keenan Allen going or no Darren, well. Waller. Um, Darren Waller. Waller over Keenan
0: Allen. Wow. That maybe uh, that could be a lot because I like to come out of the two rounds with two RBs. And so I'm feeling very nervous about the wide receiver position, but uh, wow. Waller over Keenan Allen. So, so you would then clearly take Waller over somebody like scary Terry. Um, yeah. Who? That is spicy, man. That that's. Are you doing? Are you doing the same with Kels? I mean, um, Kittle. Are you doing
1: Kittle over Keenan Allen, or is there a difference there? I mean, no. I mean, I love Keenan Allen. He's he's really consistent, but I think I might be Allen Robinson over him as well.
0: Ooh. Okay, I can dig that. I think you're going to find more consistency for sure. I think you're going to see less flash, but. You should get more consistency. I
1: can respect that. Interesting. Um, but also, um, Clyde's going in the second round.
0: Clyde is, yeah, Clyde really is a second round. I The ADP I pulled was like he was at a 3-1, but now Clyde is, is clearly a, a second round pick. And I have not gotten many pieces of him, um, but I don't mind it. I, he'd have to be... He'd have to be after the Calvin Ridley's. And, but when it's, if it's him and D uh, Hop, it's actually kind of close for me, man. I, again, I am so sucked in on their wide uh, running backs. Like, for example, you're targeting Darren Waller and Kittle. They're off my books because I'm looking at um, DeAndre Swift and Chris Carson. Now, DeAndre Swift and Chris Carson are going towards the back end of the third, is what I've seen. Whereas Waller is is cemented kind of in the early to mid third, so they're not going around the same spot. But I kind of like the running back value there, man. I, I think DeAndre Swift is going to be pretty nasty, and Chris Carson is going to be a rock there. And whew, if either of them slip to the fourth, that's an absolute slam. But man, I I guess I I might need to move off the running back a little bit more. I need I might need to come your way a little bit on these um, tight ends and wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I mean. To go back to what we were saying about Keenan Allen, I mean, I do like Keenan Allen. I I've got him in lots of um, drafts, and I mean, over the over the uh, off season, I've been able to get him in the fourth round sometimes, Ooh. which is crazy. That would be electric. Um,
0: the only thing you know, I
1: don't say- go ahead. Sorry. I said, continue.
0: Okay. The only thing I don't love about Keenan Allen is that I'm becoming more and more intrigued with season long stacks. And Justin Herbert is just completely off my board with his ADP. And so it it kind of bums me out a little bit. Like I think one of the best parts about Devontae Adams, yeah, he costs a first rounder, but man, if you can get like a seventh, eighth round Aaron Rodgers and, good Lord and best ball because of the uncertainty it's been going more in the 10th, 11th round, but I think in ESPN, he's going to start leveling out more in that sixth to seventh round. And, and that's fine. I am okay with just having that monster upside stack. Um, do you target stacks in season long or is it kind of icing on the cake for you if it happens or no, does it I've, not matter at I've, all?
1: I've never, I've never uh, targeted a stack. I'm kind of in on it, like DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray.
0: I'm kind of excited by the potential, so it's against not something I'm targeting, but it's it's going to be a bit of a tiebreaker for me if it ha- if it comes up. Um, all right, so I mentioned uh, Swift and Carson are players. I'm fine with the back end of the third. So
1: oh, yeah, also fourth, Montgomery's there, and the he's going in the third. Stephen Montgomery going in the third round now. Oh my goodness, yeah. that is.
0: Like, I have him behind Swift and Carson. I I liked him as a fourth rounder, particularly with the uh, Tariq Cohen news of him being maybe not even ready for the season. So I keep wanting
1: to get him in the fourth, and it just never happens, dude. It's never there in the fourth for me.
0: How do you feel between DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, and David Montgomery?
1: Chris Carson's my number one out of those guys. Okay. I don't know, man. I'm just off of Swift because the reason I liked Montgomery was because he was in the fourth. Yeah. And I was off of Swift because he was in the third. Right. And and I think I'm still off of Carson unless he falls to the fourth or something like that. Because like I said, I'm going for these wide receivers in the third, but like he's the best one. That would be the one I would want to have
0: they all feel like they should be fourth rounders for sure. I'm with you. Like um, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, those players that you said were kind of trickling into the fourth. Those have kind of supplanted those running backs as back end third rounders. Um, so, so are you taking those players, Amari and Julio over those three running backs? Other in players the, there are like the Mike fourth. Evans. This is going to be like late third, I think, is where Julio, Mike Evans, or do you think they're – are they more mid-third?
1: If there was like some horrible situation where the only thing left was Julio at the end of the third, then I guess I would take him. <laughs> but I'd never see that. I usually end up leaving the third with with the, one of tight those ends. tight ends yeah. or, um, or Allen Robinson. I can respect that. Uh, let's see. Let's move. By the way, into- a- Alan okay. Robinson. Alan Robinson's is one of my favorite players. And then, like, like as a fantasy or from a player, just from
0: like a fan standpoint, like skill set or personality, everything. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen anything of him off the field, so I don't know Alan Robinson's personality at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess I don't know exactly what his personality is, but. I really feel for him when certain stuff happens. Oh, There was this egregious foul on him last year. And also there's just the whole storyline of him never having a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, he is somebody that you, he's kind of like the lovable loser in some ways. You really are rooting for him and clear, clear talent on the field for sure. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I like him as a player too. Um, He's been a tough one for me to. To kind of work through when it's facing him, or like you said, you know, Amari, Scary Terry, those Mike Evans, even I feel like is in the mix there. It's all jumbled up and it's it's a tough one for me to to really slam one of those players, especially the Mari's injury stuff. But um all right, well, let's move into the fourth. So I had David Montgomery, but if he's moving him to the third, it's gonna be very challenging. Um, here's really where I'm I'm trying to get Amari Cooper the most. I know that. That injury history is tough, but this is where I'm trying my very best to make up um, ground on the wide receiver front. Um, if I miss out on Cooper and Julio, it gets it gets pretty damp. The fourth is a really tough round, dude. It's a really tough round. Like you look at the fifth round where you get all of those quarterbacks, Kyler, Josh Allen, um, you know, Lamar's almost even the sixth round, but it's got those quarterbacks. It's got Deontay Johnson. It's got Kenny Galladay. Like, I know we'll get to the fifth round, but I don't understand how the fifth round feels so much sexier than the fourth round. Like, where is your head out with the fourth round? Because I'm
1: struggling, man. Well, it's usually been pretty good for me. Like it's changing a lot though. Like the fourth round is changing a lot. It seems like, um, so, if you draft late, that means you get the beginning of the fourth round right. That's the best place to be, obviously, and that's why it's I think like, drafting late is the best because but, but who's there for you like it's Robert woods. it's uh, at the beginning of the fourth round, I'm seeing uh that's where you can get Julio that's where you are sometimes
0: there. Chris Carson sometimes.
1: Oh, that's that would be really nice, but I don't. Really I, I usually a... don't see that. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's Julio and it's CD. CD's um, there, but that's the that's my top two, and and I, I don't I don't ever see those guys anymore. Like I I've been drafting a lot recently, <laughs> and I, I they're starting to disappear, and I'm I'm having I'm having to reach in yeah. round four exactly. I'm, I'm picking up like Kenny Galladay and I know
0: Kenny Galladay's going in the fourth now, man.
1: Yeah, oh, like so, like it really hurts when I have to do that, but I'm just relying on what I know is the talent of Kenny Galladay. I mean, this could be like a Stephon Diggs of last year type thing.
0: No, I'm totally with you, man. I mean, because the fourth, like. You're looking at players that just feel like super reaches like Kyle Pitts. Chris Godwin is often there in the fourth. Um, You know, sometimes you'll see like Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes you'll see um, Lamar slip. I mean, um, Kyler Murray slip into the fourth round, uh, Josh Allen. And it just bloats up the fourth round. Adam Thielen sometimes there, Tyler Lockett, et cetera. Like that fourth round feels like all reaches and then you're like well shit i guess i have to reach for the player that i like more than all of these guys and that's kenny galladay and oh man it just it kind of sucks but then when you do pick Kenny galladay or even if you reach maybe even a little further and you take deontay johnson which sometimes i've done which that feels almost even worse the payoff i think is the fifth round, um, where there's usually value to be, there's, there's plenty of choices. I don't walk away from the fifth round really feeling, feeling let down. Like, like you said, Mike Davis is always there in ESPN. Um, those quarterbacks are often there, at least one of them. So are you feeling similarly in the fifth or do you think the fifth is kind of a choke point as well?
1: What, what no yeah doing? i like the fifth round it's it's usually pretty great um yep.
0: I'm yeah i'm seeing mike
1: davis I'm, I'm getting mike davis in the sixth round on espn the mike davis in the sixth is just i'm i'm gonna go ahead and kind of plan.
0: plant plant my flag a little bit that that the mike davis is is going to be one of the fantasy mvps i I just can't help myself, man. I think he's going to be at least an RB2 with pushing RB one numbers. And I'm I'm really excited by it. And I think he's going to be winning pl- players a lot of leagues in the sixth round. Like okay, so we, we just all agree that the fifth round is fine. If if you want to go quarterback here, I don't, I'm not gonna blame you at all on Kyler or Josh Allen. I think if you take Dak in the fifth, it's a little bit of a reach. Um how do you do you are you okay with quarterbacks there? And, yeah, and if just, so, like just
1: just the two, like you said, uh Kyler or um or Allen or and I know this is probably not a real adp of an actual league, but I've been picking up like Mahomes in the fifth round. Ooh. Is <laughs> is Mahomes because I know on the last pod
0: I said Kyler was was over. Mahomes for me, I know that's clear ADP blasphemy, but is Mahomes your number 1? Like if he's there and Kyler's there, you're going to slam Mahomes.
1: Only the only reason I'm going to do it is because it, it seems like it never happens.
0: I it's know, I'm with s- you, man. Like you feel like you have to take the value there, but like objectively if they're if they Yeah, I like
1: Kyler more. It's <laughs> and Kyler, Kyler's always going to be there.
0: That's crazy. That is crazy. But you're right. It's almost like it, it. It happens in life, man. Right? Like where, where if you're faced with two decisions and it's just straight up, like you go one way. But if the other is like a little bit rarer, you just you take that option, even though you think it's the worst pick. It's like, oh shit, Mahomes in the fifth? What? I have to take that. But uh, yeah. yeah. So so I agree with you. I think Dak is is a reach there in the fifth. So I'm not liking that. Um, but. Yeah, walking away from that fifth round when you have options like Deontay Johnson, those quarterbacks. Um,
1: I mean, I think, you've got Galladay over there. I see that that's a really good fifth rounder.
0: Yeah, if if you did if if one of us didn't reach in the fourth, he's usually there in the fifth because the perception on Kenny Galladay, I think, is very bipolar, and on Deontay Johnson, like you're either in or out. I feel like on those two players. Like, it's not like Kyler where everybody likes Kyler Murray this year. It's just where do you pull the trigger? Like people are very, very scared on Deontay Johnson and Kenny Galladay. So it kind of just is like, are you, are you in that draft where there's those two or three other players who are like us and they're all in on them or is everybody scared? Yeah,
1: I, I like him. I, I think that uh, Daniel Jones has a deep ball and Kenny Galladay is a, to get ball catcher so
0: yep i agree i think dan jones is going to rebound this year um the footballers i think it was mike who teased out his touchdown percentage was historically low last year and i think that gets bumped up particularly with kenny Galladay being a good touchdown machine what's up baby is it over oh did you like that one we just watched what is this called an American Tale. Have you heard that movie? It's a cartoon yeah. movie with some mice. Yeah. That was actually really solid. Did you like that one, baby? Yeah. Yeah. Given the head a good nod. One. Nice. Oh, you look tuckered, Bob Bear.
1: That was a part of a um, series. It seemed like it. Yeah. With the mice. I can't. Do you recall
0: the titles of the other uh, parts of that series? I don't know. That one yeah, was a little the... bit before my time.
1: The other one was uh, Five Goes West. Oh,
0: you're absolutely right. Great call
1: there. Great call.
0: We just watched. Uh, we watched Brave Little Toaster recently. That was a childhood favorite of mine. Um, big fans here in the the Smith household for Brave Little Toaster. All right, let's uh, let's hop back. So we're working ourselves through these rounds, and honestly, this is this is really great, man. I love hearing your perspective. It's it's modifying my approach. Um, To some extent, this sixth round, man, I, the fourth and the sixth are, are really harsh. And it's almost one of those reasons why I actually like to be in the later part of the draft, because that means that you're in the beginning part of the second, the fourth and the sixth, particularly the fourth and the sixth, because like we said in the fourth, if you're there at the beginning you have a shot at Julio um, and potentially Carson and some of the other, those other guys. Like the early fourth is important. The early sixth, how are you navigating the sixth round, man? I think it is,
1: it is tough. Yeah. Well, some candidates are, I mean, Cream Hunt's usually gone in the fifth round.
0: Who is Cream Hunt a fifth rounder? I, I don't really yes. like Cream Hunt this year.
1: Wow, he's a fifth rounder.
0: Oh, how how would you compare him to like a Miles Gaskin? Do you like Hunt over Gaskin?
1: Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think Gaskin. I'm going
0: Gaskin. How about Hunt or uh, Daryl Henderson? I
1: don't
0: know. Give me Daryl Henderson there. Okay, so, yeah, you're right. Kareem Hunt, man, people are in on that that upside, so that's tough. But, like, you have players in the sixth round that I'm just out on. Jamar Chase's, Brandon Ayuk, like Chase Claypool, T. Higgins. I don't know, man. I'm struggling here.
1: Well, I'm, I'm with T. Higgins in the sixth. Okay. So I like that. Um, I like Joe Burrow's health. I don't. I just don't believe that you're gonna see this like immediate breakout from from Jamar Chase because yeah. great. He's he's a really good um, wide receiver. So is T Higgins. Yeah. Oh, he was really good in college. So was T Higgins. Like mm-hmm. T Higgins had a really promising rookie season and he looks great like he always looks great so i think best case scenario for jamar chase is that he figures out how to cohabitate with t higgins and both of them be good wide receivers for fantasy
0: i agree i think it's going to be a lot like um cd lamb and amari last year like i think amari slash t higgins is going to retain a bit of that alpha role but jamar chase is going to have his games um but i i, I agree with you i am not against t higgins there um well you can't you're, he's not going to go past there i'll tell you that No. That, yeah it's going to be between him and some of those if you know if miles gaskin slips or it's going to be like javante williams is going to be in that sixth round um I guess in that case, you're, you, you don't seem too, too in on Javante Williams so far from our discussion.
1: Not really. And Robin I actually Wooden missed, still. I actually missed something that I was going to say about oh, round sorry. five. Go ahead and get, get um, back. Yep. I, I think Cooper Cup is like a super slam in round five. If he's yeah, still does around, he, does he make it there? I, he does. He absolutely. He absolutely makes it to round five. So.
0: Yeah, if he's there, but so so let's put that to the test. Like, you're going to take Deontay Johnson over Cooper Cup, right? Or, or is that close for you?
1: That's pretty close. Oof.
0: For me, it's for me, it's Deontay. Um, you know, Cooper Cup.
1: <sighs> as much as I like Deontay, there are. Th- there are two other semi-talented wide receivers there, and I've seen a lot of projections of those guys being people worth owning in fantasy. Yeah, and I'm, super, yeah. I'm super out on both of those other guys.
0: I am too, and Big Ben and, could easily be done. Um, like his, his elbow is is pretty in rough shape, so maybe that's closer than I'm giving it credit for. Maybe Cooper Cup is just. Honestly, safer and with decent upside.
1: Yeah, I think Cooper Cup's
0: really safe. I haven't gotten him a lot, but I should probably be be looking his way. Like if Deontay's gone and Galladay's gone, like if it's Cooper Cup or Kyler Murray or Josh Allen, like I've been taking the quarterback. But hmm, maybe I should be rethinking Cooper Cup. I think that's a good player to uh, to have brought up. But,
1: but yeah, yeah, this I, is- I, I I get Kyler probably more than than Cup yeah yep i'm with you there the problem with kyler really is that
0: there is just amazing value at quarterback i mean is kyler really so so different than a tom brady
1: that's in like the ninth round man like
0: i don't know it's it's hard
1: he's not different he's not a lot different than tom brady right and and aaron Rodgers is more of like a seventh rounder compared to kyler's fifth
0: round price like are you really sneaking you know Kyler lit the league on fire the first 10 weeks or so but that injury was not a joke and yeah he
1: he hurt his arm so he started sucking but
0: and there's been a quote that he came out with saying something like he wants his rushing to be a emergency outlet not a planned attack. So, I mean, who really cares what that means? Like they're going to run their offense, but does he have less rushing touchdowns? Do they have now, do they have that thumper in James Conner? Does his goal line, does his rushing touchdowns go from uh, what did he have last year, 10 down to, you know, more of Dax range where it's a four or five. So yeah. I don't know.
1: I, it's I'm just always not... nice to have more wide receiver depth. at
0: yeah, That fifth round. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. As much as I love him, like I am feeling like I'm uh, totally okay waiting later and god, you know, it, I hate to say this, but is Kyler Murray really so different than a Kirk Cousins plus streaming candidates that Kirk Cousins you can get in the last round of your draft? Yeah. I'm not so sure,
1: man. The idea though with somebody probably about st- stopping at Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady having someone that's like at that level or or better is one of those things where you do have that open bench spot where you're not right. just like dragging a backup quarterback around all the time and that's you're football. able to do something like a zero running back uh strategy where you have just like this giant amount of running backs on the bench Nope. That that's, that's a great call. And it applies not just to the
0: quarterback, but tight end and defense. Like if you ever have to have two of those positions, it, it hurts, man. Like you are compensating for some sort of security, but you're, you're preventing yourself from having another lottery ticket. So I I totally agree with that. Um, Back to this, this mucky six. So you said T Higgins Um, it's, it's tough. Like Javante Williams is there. I said, it's, that's a real struggle. Struggle. I'm going to have to, to play around a bit more. But I think the seventh starts to open a little bit more up. I mean, there's players that I like here. And at this point, thankfully, at about the seventh round, I don't mind as much reaching up. Like the reaching in the fourth to grab Kenny Galladay feels like it hurts quite a bit for me. But starting to reach around, or I don't even care, like round or two based on ADP, I don't mind in the seventh. So now in the seventh, you're looking at players like Robbie Anderson, um, Jalen Hurts is there. Uh, You know, honestly, Jalen Hurts is maybe more in like the eighth or ninth round. But um, who are you looking at the seventh as as value?
1: Um, Sometimes I find myself reaching for uh, Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I I like. I,
0: I think we've talked almost a little too much about how you've. You've swayed me on Curtis Samuel. I do not mind Curtis Samuel in the seventh. Um, I don't mind a play reaching for a player like Damian Harris. If you've gone a little bit running back light, I think Damian Harris is going to be very steady. Um, so yeah, this is, this is kind of the reaching round, right? Where you're going to pass on players that you don't like as much. Like, I don't know, Tyler Boyd, sometimes there. Um, Devonta Smith is there as a rookie. That feels a little steep. DJ Chark is there. Um Juju, like you said. Like there's there's players that I don't mind reaching past. Um, looks like James Robinson has kind of settled in the seventh. How do you feel about that? James Robinson in the seventh. Seventh. James Robinson or Curtis Samuel?
1: I don't know. It really just depends on what you've been doing. If yeah. if you're like really weak at running back he has the potential to really carry your team for the very first part of the year. And Curtis Samuel might be your like first or second bench wide receiver in a draft like this. It so could be right. You really just got to think about it. And I wouldn't hate it if you, if you took something like that, but yep, I feel, I feel like the real value there is Curtis Samuel still.
0: I agree with you. I think he's going to be a nice piece. And I agree that at this point, seventh round and beyond, it's more filling your needs than, you know, just being like, Oh, I'm locked in. Like, how is he here? Like, no, you need to worry about your team. You need to get your five running backs or you need to make sure you're, you're shoring up your wide receiver or potentially catching up on quarterback and tight end if you've missed. So I don't mind uh, filling in the roster. So
1: I any, like uh, over here.
0: in the seventh, I've kind of teased out, uh well if Daryl Henderson makes it he won't. Um yeah, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson
1: versus Curtis Samuel. I think Robbie Anderson is is who I logically should take. Yeah.
0: It's just that Sam Darnold man. God yeah. damn it, dude. Like
1: he's reuniting. <laughs> oh yeah. Like they, Anderson. like they had fireworks up in New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're away from Adam Gase now. Yeah. But
0: wasn't, I'm pretty sure that, uh, Darnold and Anderson were there together without anyways, yeah,
1: anyways, yes.
0: Yeah, it was, um, Anderson, Samuel, that's going to be, it's probably Anderson. And then honestly Samuel is probably going to be there in the eighth for you if you want him there sometimes. So I, which I don't think Robbie makes it. I think Robbie's a higher drafted player, but um, so any, so, so let's kind of tie up um, rounds eight through 10 or so. Are there any players that kind of scream out or, or where is your strategy? Has it become completely liars at this point? Is this where you're looking to, I don't know, make a move on a quarterback if you've missed out on round five, like where do you see these last eight through eight, nine and 10 uh, rounds? Um
1: I love Tyler Boyd. <laughs> Would you he take is, him
0: with uh with T Higgins? Like are you okay kind of just getting pieces of that offense or if you get to Yeah, Higgins, yeah I'm like
1: fine with that. Elsewhere? Wow, interesting. Yeah, they function as like two different totally different things. Uh He he Tyler is like one of the most unique players in the league he's like the most one of the most i think he actually might be the most productive 100 percent slot player and i just the reason that i think he's such a valuable asset to your fantasy team is that i mean he maybe he's a bi-week fill-in for you but he's a bi-week fill-in that you feel great about I was the owner of him last year when Burrow was healthy and he never like didn't get 15 points. You know what I mean? And sometimes it was like 28 points. I mean, that's I, I probably, his, a, that's probably his ceiling, but yeah, you know what I mean? That'd be monstrous. I, I, I know it's a totally different situation,
0: but I, I am just scared from a, you should standpoint, Like again, to go back to Amari and CD lamb, does this, does, does Tyler Boyd turn it into the Michael Gallup? You know where it just get, he gets pushed out of the target share and it's it's harsh. But um, I'm not I'm not I don't think uh, so. Yeah, I'm not against it. I I'm kind of doing something similar with 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 what you're doing in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I am trying to lock up that San Francisco running back depth with Trey um, Sermon and Raheem Mostert. I think they're both going to be extremely valuable and if it's if it takes a seventh rounder and a or an eighth rounder and a tenth rounder that's not much like i've i've almost never locked up a running back uh backfield before but i think you're going to be able to start Mostert at the beginning and then Trey Sermon will take over from injury or skill um that's so juicy. i like that yeah so i don't mind your um wide receiver stack just to just to get pieces, and again, they're both probably going to be riding the bench for you to start, and they're going to be just fine if you face an injury or a bye week, as you said. So, um, I, I don't mind that. Uh, I think that's a great uh, little flyer there in the eighth round. Plus, um, well, that was that was really exciting, man. It's it still feels like to me that I'm facing some struggles in the fourth and sixth round that I need to kind of work through and. If that means just uh, accepting the idea of that reaching is okay at that point, then so be it. But um, I am going to work on trying to navigate, uh, and I appreciate you weighing in to uh, to help me along the road. Uh, the Olympics will continue, and uh, hopefully, no more catastrophic news happens in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, it's just players reporting to camp, nice and smooth, contracts being signed, everybody's going to be go. Um, hoping for all thumbs up, but. Uh, But it was fun talking, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.
1: All right. See you.